What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Welcome back to the Doster and Day Sean podcast. It is Tuesday, November 10th. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined once again by the one and only Day Sean Butler. We have a great show lined up for you. Day Sean, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? Weekend was great, man. I can't complain. I mean, I had a, a very good weekend. Uh, my wife spent a ton of my money and uh, she bought a bike. <laughs> So I've been using the bike recently. So that's been the new thing I've been doing from the weekend until today. So, so my my wife, uh, her birthday was last Friday, and oh, really? I I got her a Peloton. Oh, I, I'm on, so, I'm, a Nord, I'm Team Nordic Track. So Nordic Track. <laughs> so so here's the thing: she uh, she broke her ankle in July, right? And so she hasn't. She's a huge workout now. Yeah, how, she how did she break her ankle? She went running and it was like after a rainstorm and you know yeah. how like the, there's the, the drains, like the, the runoff and the sand can build up. Yeah. So the, the sand was the same color as like the lip of the drain. And so she stepped uh-huh. on it and she thought it was like one solid piece, but then on like half of it, the ground gave way and her ankle yeah. went all the way over. Mm. Like she, she broke her ankle running, like turned it over. So it, it was bad. And so she hasn't been able to work out for like three months. So mm-hmm. I, and and with everything spiking around here, like I'm not gonna, you know, she wants to go back to the gym, and I'm like, we're not, no, we're not yeah, going no. back to the gym, <laughs> not right now. It's not happening. No. So we have like the little <laughs> a little workout space in the basement, and it's got like the padding down. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not, man? Why let's let's get this Peloton and see what this whole thing's about. It it ends up costing like so. How about this? I got it the day that the price dropped. When I decided really? to go out and buy this, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go out and spend like $2,500 on this thing. Yeah, I was. The day I that I, <laughs> it, it, but, the, but the day that I logged in was the day that they launched the second one. So oh, the, okay. first, the first version of it was like 1700 bucks, And I was like, well, okay, that's justified. It's my wife's birthday. She's gonna finally getting back into working out. We're not going to have to pay for the gym anymore, at least yeah. not for a while. So, you yeah. know, why not? We'll see how it works. If yeah, it doesn't work out, I'll just time. sell it on eBay or something. Yeah, somebody will get it, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> so they can say, yeah, Someone will buy it, man. Definitely. Yeah. So this weekend was wild. I was telling you about this over text. Um, and I, I was going to say, explain like this I, to me. Explain this to me thoroughly now, this time, like slowly, because I, I really I understood it, but I was still, I didn't know the details too much. So I, anybody that, that is on Twitter, anybody that, that follows college basketball and follows some of the biggest accounts would realize that a whole bunch of like college basketball Twitter accounts got hacked over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, John Rostin got hacked. <laughs> Mark Titus got hacked. Yeah. Jason King is still hacked. Uh, Kyle Guy got hacked, the, the old Virginia player. So this, let me rewind. Because I, I got to go back like three days before all of this happened. Um, obviously, I've run this, this, uh, this media network with Jeff Goodman. And Jeff Goodman on like – Thursday of last week texted me and like, cause we're always looking to add people. So if we have someone that 
reach out. Like we have another, we're going to announce it on Thursday. Um, but so we'll have people reach out to us and just be like, can I do your whatever podcast? So he was like, Hey, Xavier Simpson reached out to me from, mm-hmm. from Michigan. And I was like, Oh, you know, Michigan podcast, betting is legal there. We might be able to find a sponsor. Let's, let's see what he's got to say. And, and Jeff was like, Oh, he's just trying to get me to like buy shoes or something. I was like, what, why are you, what do you, why are you entertaining this? He's like, well, he said he's going to give me three free, free pairs of shoes and they're size 15. So I was like, why? I mean, if you're really that desperate to get shoes, like what, do what you got to do, man. I, I'm done with this conversation. Like I'm over. <laughs> like I thought, I thought we were going to have a podcast though. So um, I don't hear anything about it for like two days. And then you start noticing like, okay, Mark Titus is tweeting out weird things and John Rossing is tweeting out weird things. And they like it very clearly hacked. Like the tweets that they sent out, if you didn't see them, were, were like, uh, I have large accounts for sale, DM me. Very clearly <laughs> a hack, right? And so what I didn't realize is that the way that they hacked those accounts, because I think I put all this together, right? The way that they hacked yeah. the accounts was uh, Kyle Guy was the first one to get got. And so okay. he slid into their DMs. And I know this because he slid into my DMs and he was like, hey, uh, my friend is launching a shoe brand. He gets a commission if you click this link and sign up as like an email subscriber. Can you do that for me? And I was like, uh, okay. You know, I, I, it wasn't completely out of the blue. Like we message every once in a while and what we do yeah. is via, via DM. So he, uh, so I was like, well, this probably makes a little bit of sense. Like I, I can understand an NBA player trying to do this, but why would he mm. be DMing people instead of just blasting it out on Twitter? Yeah, using exactly. The exactly. So it was a little bit strange. And I was like, yeah, you know, send me the link. I'll get to it when I get to it. My daughter starts losing her mind. I completely forgot that, that any of this had even happened until, right. um, until I see Mark Titus gets hacked. So I, I quote tweet something and I was like, listen, Mark Titus, John Rothstein are hacked. Andy Katz ended up getting hacked on Sunday. He fell victim to it. And I was like, if you get like random DMs from someone, like don't click the links. And some guy responded to me and he was like, so uh, I, I, I hopped in the DM and I asked him what he was selling. They were selling the accounts for $250, first of all. I seriously thought about buying John Rossi's account for $250. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with it. Do whatever I want. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah, so they, they um, <laughs> what happened was uh, he was he responded. He was like, I have Xavier Simpson. I have Kyle Guy. I have all of these random football players that I can't remember off the top of my head. He's like, I said, I have Mark Titus. I have John Rothstein. So he, what he was happening was he was sending these DMs. He, he hacked someone's account, sent the, the DM with a link that would get you locked out, and then, boom, he's got your account, and he started DMing everybody within that context, right? Yeah. And so, like, I, I put all of this together, and I'm, I started tweeting out, like, do not respond to any DMs. Do not respond, like, answer anyone. Do not click on any links, even if it shows up from people that you know, unless you want to get John Rothstein. So, uh, eventually, like, I, I'm taking credit for this, Deshaun. I'm the one. So. It seems like you're the only person on the, doing the groundwork right now. Right. Yeah. I, I, I broke, I cracked the case wide open. I got everyone to stop doing it. The The funniest part to me was that um, like Rothstein, this, all of this happened at like one o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Yeah. And so like Rothstein's melting down, like texting me because I, I was like, dude, your, your account is hacked. And he's like, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I solve this? Uh, I can't believe Mark Titus was the one that got me hacked. But all this stuff, just relax. Just reach out to Twitter, tell them who you are, tell them the situation. You'll get the account back. Don't worry about it. So they like just listening to them slowly melt down and then listening to Titus thinking it was the funniest thing. Like it, it just off the rails, man. 
It's just Twitter, bro. It's just Twitter. It's just, it's just, it's just Twitter. It's not, but it's not all that big of a deal. Free shoes aren't that important, people. So make sure. Yeah, you- <laughs> no. Well, that that's the funniest part. Like, so our, our whole our whole business model is uh, built on this idea that anything that we we create has the reach that Jeff Goodman can can like that value that he adds from the amount of people that follow him on Twitter is like it's huge for the company that we started like his twitter account is like part of the reason we're, we're able to do what we're doing and get any traction with it and nice. he almost got it taken from him because he wanted three size 15 shoes from a fake xavier simpson i hate to see it I hate to say i happened to a good person man at least he didn't get caught at least he didn't get tired at least, at least it didn't happen <laughs> would have been bad news all right so uh, the other big news over the weekend is that it seems like the uh, the coronavirus cancellations are starting to seep their way into college basketball. You know, yeah. Tom Izzo is sitting out because he caught the COVID. Uh, Minnesota has shut down. Marquette has shut down. UConn has shut down. That's just the ones I can remember off the top of my head. It's a mess of the football side. Uh, Alabama, LSU, Wisconsin has had their issues. Um, Notre Dame, like they have – positive COVID cases, and then everybody storms the field after they beat Clemson. Like, that's going to end up being a problem at some point. So, um, it just – Trevor Lawrence. Like it, yeah. It feels yeah. to me like this is this is the warning sign that college basketball needed. Like, you guys got to be careful. If you don't want all of this to happen, all these canceled games, like, it just I, – I think that situations like that are inevitable for the basketball side as well. I mean, definitely. I mean, just – it sucks to hear. So, by the way, uh, hopefully – Tom Izzo and everybody else is feeling well and fine and they get better soon and they can get back to doing the things they love to do. It sucks to see this stuff happen though, because if we just take the proper precautions, I mean, all this can be taken care of is a certain way we can do it is a certain way we can still have basketball, still have football without all the extra stuff and everybody can still get what they want. Uh, Wasn't, uh, wasn't the coach from Alabama, the football coach from Alabama, didn't he have, COVID and he's still coached. So he, he tested he, he positive. positive. Yeah, like he tested positive, <laughs> but then he got like three straight negative tests or something. It, I, I don't know. It's I just like, I, I just don't, I know it's important. I know we have, you guys, everybody has a job. So, and I get it. You have to do your job. And I just, I feel like sometimes we put certain things ahead of our health and sending that message to our impressionable student athletes is not the proper message. I mean, I it's I don't think it is at least. So, I mean, if these guys are healthy and there are false positives and they're taking they they say they're taking the proper precaution, then salute to them for doing doing so. But it's starting to see, seem like the numbers are showing that everybody's not. So, and then the way you see people act, like like for example, mm-hmm. you said people are rushing the field at a football game, like it's it that that's just irresponsible. And yeah. it's not going to lead in, lead into anything. Uh, I can't speak English today. It's not going to lead into anything uh, positive for the future for any sport. So, yeah, it just the, and the way that things are going from um, a perspective across the country, especially in the Midwest, where like a lot of the Big Ten schools are, yeah. and um, it, it's going to be a problem. Big Twelve schools, it, it, it's going to be a very big problem for college basketball during the basketball season. You know, Where's if you look college? at. The, the, if you look at the way the, – the whole thing about closing down and shutting down and, and, and closing all the restaurants that, that we went through in March and, and canceling literally everything that we did in this country, the whole reason for it was to stop that curve, right? We've all seen that curve that goes straight up, and you want to get it going the other direction, right? Mm-hmm. 
if you look at the curves right now, like they're all going straight up again. It's like we're all the way back to where we were in March all over again. And like, that's not going to stop, right? That's not going to stop when we have Thanksgiving come up, coming up, which is going to be, everyone's going to go see all their family members. Everyone's going to go home from school and come back and, and see everybody. I mean, look, the, the Wednesday of Thanksgiving weekend, biggest party weekend of the year when you go home, right? Yeah, every, every year. <laughs> it's like, but in your heart of hearts, like from when you, obviously I know you took it very serious. I know I took it serious. My wife is like, mm-hmm. she doesn't let anybody in the house in the past, since since I got back from work, <laughs> she doesn't let anyone step foot in our house. Do you think everybody took it, like took it the right way when the, when everything got shut down during the country? Like we were seeing, I saw parties, I saw all these things happening going on even when people were locked down to the point where they had to like forcefully shut down bars and forcefully shut down things mm-hmm. like people were out so it would still circulate and then when things started to open up because we all can't take it mentally then i mean more cases will arise when you start having people get huddled together for sporting events and so on and so forth i just feel like it wasn't given uh it didn't the precautions weren't taken properly by the masses in our country. I didn't think we did a great job altogether. Everybody was in a rush to see when the football schedule was coming out. Everybody's in a rush to see when the basketball schedule was coming out and practicing and working out. Cause you know, it is important to work out and it is important to, you know, do these things the safe way and get school going and get people in college and get people enrolled and all these things were going on. So it just, I kind of feel like it's almost like we were taking, we took some decent steps and then we tripped, we tripped each other up at the same time with trying mm-hmm. to bring things back too quickly. I don't think that it's a coincidence that we're seeing all of these numbers increase when, when everybody's going back to school. And look, it's not just, uh, not just college students, right? Like this is at yeah. schools everywhere. everywhere. Part of the reason why we're seeing this go up and like, look, I get it, man. Like I got kids, you got kids. They're going crazy at home. I'm losing my mind being unable to, to be as productive as I want to be <laughs> during the day. Like it, trust me when I, when I tell you, I get how tough it is. It's that yeah. tough for me too, but it's also something that like I, we're all going to have to deal with. And to me, the biggest issue is, is just the, it's the college campus aspect of this, right? right. Like right. College kids are going to do what college kids do. And when you start putting out the information, which, which is just, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but when the information is out there that like college kids are more or less going to be fine, right? Like it's very rare for a situation where somebody of college age dies. And it's very, uh, it's not quite as rare, but it's still rare when someone that's college age um, can get sick and have it like permanently affect them. So when college students hear this, like I, I'm not even going to sit here and say I would have done the same thing when I was in school, right? I, I probably would have been an idiot just like the rest of these kids are being idiots. The issue is now you have these student athletes on the same campus, right? Yeah, they're, they're, when they're intermingling as much as you do on a college campus, you know, I, I understand that there's going to be times where you have them separated and there's going to be times where you make sure your players are in as much of a bubble as you could possibly have them in in this situation. But it doesn't change the fact that they got to like live their life. They got to be able to get from home. To, to the gym where they work out. They got to get from home to the practice uh, practice facility. Exactly. Um, they got to be able to go out and buy stuff at the grocery store. And when, when you have a community where COVID is spreading the way that it is in some of these college communities, especially in the Midwest, players are going to catch it too. It's just, it's just yeah. a natural byproduct of the situation. So it, it's tough. I understand why players want to do it, right? Like I don't blame them. Players want to play. I exactly. totally get that. Uh, and – there's ways to be able to keep them safe, but having them 
not in a bubble and in like these college communities. It's just, we're going to, it's going to, it's going to spiral. And and I'm not saying that there's not going to be a season because they have to play the season. It's just going to be stop and start and ugly and two weeks here and two weeks there. And, yeah. You know what? I don't get, you can probably answer this better than I can, Deshaun. If you, if you catch it, right, if you get a positive test and you've got to quarantine for like seven or 10 or 14 days or whatever it ends up being, and you're not able to go to the gym and you're not able to work out, like how much is that going to affect these kids when they actually do get back on the floor? Definitely takes some time to get back in shape anytime you take a week or, or some time or more than, like, you know, a week or more, it takes you time to get back in shape. Not to mention just the mental aspect of just not doing anything for two weeks. Like, yes. you just brought up the case of, like, quarantining. I had, I want to say, three scenarios where I had to quarantine this, at the what, from March till now, where I first came back into the country. I had to quarantine for two weeks before I sat with my family. So I'm downstairs in the basement, away from everybody, doing as many push-ups as I can possibly do in a day to, like, just get some type of workout in and these things. And then I have to, have to take another two weeks because a friend of mine uh, ended up getting uh, COVID. So I had to get checked. I'd take two weeks just to get checked to make sure I didn't, I didn't bring anything home because I was around those individuals. And it just, it, it's, it's mentally draining. It's exhausting to have to do these things. So that's why it's so important that everybody, well, excuse me, that we have a, a, sort, a, a set of guidelines that everybody in college, that, especially that plays, but especially college, just the college students in general, follow so we can keep everybody safe i mean it's as soon as we can get everybody to think about everybody as a whole as opposed to like that moment or this weekend or that like if we can get everybody to just focus on the bigger picture i think it'll be better but uh for the moment where we are right now it's going to be like you said it's going to be stop and go it's going to be what it is because someone's going to get hopefully they don't but someone will get it and the team's going to have to miss a Wednesday game and a well, Friday game or a Saturday game and then they're having to wait so on and so forth until they find out if their guys are healthy or not to play. Like, God forbid, it's spreads to an entire team at one point. So the, the big hope for me is that once – a lot of schools are sending everyone home for Thanksgiving break and then not bringing them back, which is like the smartest thing that they can do because, I mean, right. colleges know – Wednesday night of Thanksgiving week is the biggest party night of the year. These college kids are going to go crazy when they go home. Yeah. Um, so having the campus all to themselves should really help. Um, and I also think, and, and I don't have any direct sourcing on this enough where I can like feel like I say it definitively, but I don't think that it's a coincidence that you see a lot of high major teams only playing other high major teams because they know that, you know, Baylor, Baylor's schedule is absolutely ridiculous heading into the season. Yeah. Part of the reason that they're doing that is because they know that all of these other really good teams with a whole bunch of money they, they, that they can spend on testing are going to be able to make sure that they don't have players that are positive exactly. on the floor. Because the worst thing that could happen, worse than like worrying about any buy games for Baylor would be to have like an outbreak where Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and Mark Vidal all happen to catch COVID and they have to sit out for two weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, by the time they get back, maybe they're not in shape. Maybe Mark, Mark Vidal is already a big kid. If he's got to sit in his apartment for two weeks, like that dude might end up looking like a, an offensive lineman by the time he's here. 10 pounds at least. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, trust me, it's very easy to put on 10 pounds when you're stuck in a house. Yeah, who are you telling me? All right, so I think that's enough depressing stuff. I, you know, here's here's. I want to end it like this. I want to end it like this, Deshaun, because 
I don't want it to be like a negative thing, right? Like I want to be able to have a positive vibe on this. So put yourselves in the mindset that we're not going to have any college basketball. Put yourself in a mindset that with the rates that it's going, everything is going to get end up getting canceled. And if you think of it like, wow, this like I don't know if we're going to have a season, then you're going to enjoy every single game that we get, every single uh, what like event that we get, the Champions Classic. You're going to appreciate it that much more if you're not expecting anything. If we get a tournament, you're going to love it, even if it ends up being like 32 teams. If your favorite team only plays like 15 conference games, right, and three non-conference games, and that's it, you're going to enjoy it because you weren't expecting anything. So put yourself in the mindset of you're expecting nothing and enjoy every second that you get at the college basketball season. That's just – that's the way that I've had to kind of think about this. And so it is what it is. I like that. I like that a lot. It makes me, uh, now I'm excited for the uh, first, that was a great speech. You could have uh, went into a locker room with that one. It's my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I want to talk a little NBA draft with you because I think that you have, obviously you were drafted. Obviously you went through the draft mm-hmm. process and you like all American, whatever. So um, before we get into like the actual players themselves, just kind of take me through like, what the draft process is really like when you're when you're going around and you're doing these different workouts and you're doing these different interviews and you're sitting there and you're waiting for that phone call to say that you've been picked. Like, just kind of take me through what it was like for you to to experience that process. Was was it was it stressful? Was it hard? Were you excited because you you knew that you were about to embark on something that you've been dreaming about your entire life? And just kind of take me through what that was like. Um, just piggybacking off of what you were just saying. Um... For me, my scenario was very different. I mean, my very my last game, I tore my ACL. So I wasn't able to, you know, work out like the rest of my counterparts. I went to workouts and watched a ton of workouts and met with the teams, sat down with the coaches and sat down with everybody in the organizations. And that process was like a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, we, my thing was more like uh, just getting a rapport with them, uh, letting them get to know me. Uh, sh- them showing me what they do, watching the guys that I, you know, I watched play in college at that time when I was in college, watching them go through their workouts. You know, I went to Portland and watched their workouts and I went to San Antonio and went to numerous teams and watched these guys, you know, prep the players for, you know, their workouts. So it was a, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. Um, it was, it was just a different, it was different from anything I've ever really seen. I mean, I've been to numerous individuals and open gyms and workouts, but the detail that these individuals take, uh, like they have for this process in which they get these guys in three guys, sometimes four or five, whatever the case may be, put them in scenarios that they're going to sometimes see in the game. And then sometimes it's more of a mental aspect. They want to see what it is that you'll stop. Like what will stop you? Like what will make you just stop playing? What will get in your head? What will make him tired? Is he ever going to get tired? Thanks. The certain things like you'll see they'll they'll do with these players. So it was a very eye-opening experience to take part in that. The meetings were great. The just watching them work out was great. And just getting that call before you get drafted was just like it was like the biggest dream come true, honestly. Uh I've watched almost every draft I can remember about like since I was like eleven, maybe ten. Um I watched Through the Fire with Sebastian Telfair. I watched all these, like, documentaries on these guys that have, you know, got a chance to go to the NBA and just having the opportunity, being around my family, being around my teammates and my friends, and getting that call 
from uh, Pat Riley. That was like pretty dope. <laughs> like, definitely so it was it was Pat moment. Riley that called you and said that they yeah. were they were drafting you. Yeah, like top five moments. Like I had it. It was a great feeling because you know, regardless, I was hurt and it sucked to be hurt. It was uh, just me just sitting there thinking about all the times I went to backyard and I went to the gym and put an extra time here and there and all the way up to college and all those moments led up to this. And granted, I wasn't able to go out in the court and physically do these things at that time or even in the future. Like just seeing that, uh, you know, I put everything I had into this craft and I was rewarded with the opportunity to get drafted. Now, let me ask you this. When you got the call from Pat Riley, what pick was on TV? Like how far ahead of the draft itself was it when he actually called you? Because that always fascinates me. Like you see – Woj and Shobbs and those guys yeah. tweeting out the draft picks and, and it'll be like the sixth pick and they're like yeah they just uh, the, they picked Stanley Johnson with the ninth, ninth pick Detroit Pistons so it's, it's always funny how far ahead the actual draft is and what the TV show is that they end up broadcasting yeah like while I was waiting for that call I got like four of the calls from teams and from with different propositions like you know maybe you can do a year overseas or two years overseas and we'll send you there and come here and it was just the whole process of like yeses and nos and maybes. And then while I was waiting, I would say right around the 40th, maybe pick, I would say 39th, 40th pick. I got the call and it was more or less like, you know, you ready to come to Miami? <laughs> and I was excited. And my mom, I had it on speaker. I had to like walk in the hallway because my mom was yelling and <laughs> it was a whole ordeal. And you know, it was, it was just, like I said, it was just a great, great, great experience. Right. Um, so the guys in this year's draft class, yeah. the top, I think there's a pretty clear cut top three, even though like they're not as good as a, a normal top three in a draft, but it's, it's LaMelo Ball and it's James Wiseman and it's Anthony Edwards. So um, how much, like how much LaMelo Ball have you been able to watch? And were you surprised to see like this kid is that, that with the, the little, 14-year-old that had the blonde mohawk with the braces that was jacking up half-court shots with Lonzo and, and uh, LiAngelo is now all of a sudden, like, maybe going to be the number one pick in the draft? I say well-deserved. I mean, what I will say about LaMelo Ball is from the time period you just laid down until now, maturity has definitely kicked in. He showed volumes and volumes of maturity. Um, and his game is mature. You know, uh, there's there's tons of things he's going to work on, just like anybody else that ha- that just enters the NBA. There's tons of things you have to work on. For anybody to sit there and go, oh, well, he's a good he's good at this, and he only has to work on these little things is completely false. It's an entire different lifestyle that these guys are living. They have to get accustomed to everything they're getting ready to walk into. So he has more, a lot more work than some of his counterparts, but – the upside is just I feel like it's so much more rewarding and he's I feel like he's gonna be a really, really good player, depending on what team he goes to. Yeah, he, he needs to end up with the right fit in the right organization. Yeah, I, I think mean, more than than just about anybody else um in this draft. But for me, like I, I I watched every game that he played in Australia, every single one on Synergy. And it, it only was like fourteen or fifteen games because he shut his season down. Uh, I was say, pretty, sixteen. Pretty, he played sixteen, yeah. Yeah. So I watched every single one of them. And the thing about Melo that makes him so special is, like, he's a legitimate basketball genius. Like, the, the passes that he can see 
and the passes that he can make and, and the way that he can get people open just by moving his head and using his eyes to make defenses think that he's going to pass somewhere. It's just like you can't – I don't think that you can teach that. Like you either have it or you don't. And he has it. Like an unbelievable passer when it comes to ball screens and when it comes to being able to play pick and roll and read the third defender and figure out who's tagging and who's going to be open, whatever it is. Like he's great at that. He's also a really good ball handler that left like more than – a couple defenders on the deck with, with crossovers and in and outs and step backs. Like he can really score in isolations. There's two problems with his game. And I think that everybody knows what these problems are. Can't shoot. Like he's got this weird release where he like pushes it and his thumb, like the, he's a righty, but his left thumb is on the ball. It's like a two. It's like what a 13 year old shoots like when they're trying to shoot threes and they're not strong enough to reach a 10 foot rim from three. And he just, he's a mess defensively. Like there are like five or six instances of him when he's supposed to be an help side or supposed to be a tagger, like wiping his shoes and watching the, the, where he's supposed to be watching someone go and dunk the ball. It's just like, you, you can, you have to be better than that. And I, for me, shooting can be developed, right? If you put him to work and then if he finally gets in an organization that holds him accountable for these like dumb defensive things that he does, he, he's athletic enough to do it. You know, he's six foot seven. He can jump a little bit. He's not dumb. Like he can figure out schemes. So to me, it's, it's all about what you said, what fit, what kind what is the organization like that he gets into? And I think you got to take the number one, like number one pick, you got to try to hit a home run. Sometimes you might strike out, but you got to try to hit a home run. And I think that LaMelo ball is the one guy that could end up being like a franchise changing talent in this draft. Minnesota has the number one pick. They have D'Angelo Russell. They have Carl Towns. They're obviously on the hunt for Devin Booker, like everybody's saying. These guys are friends. Minnesota can't take the pick because I feel like D'Angelo Russell is good, really good within his own right. I don't know if they would give up D'Angelo Russell to get who's a, who's a good jump shooter, one dribble, two dribble, three, whatever. Like <laughs> He's a great shooter and great playmaker. I don't know if they give up D'Angelo Russell to get LaMelo Ball. I feel like LaMelo Ball scenario, he has to be on a team that understands who he is. He can't be on a team where he's pressured to like, how can I say, not perform right away so the team does well. He needs to be on a team that absolutely has nothing going for them. They have zero hopes of playoffs. They have zero this, zero that, so that he can grow into what they want him to grow into. Like, he's going to need time for his jump shot. So he needs to be able to have the ball in his hand. He needs to be able to go and just, like you just said, read screens, just make plays, be a great playmaker. I feel like places like Detroit, who don't have any, they don't have, like, I mean, Blake, they have Blake Griffin. And they have other guys as well who are very talented. But point guard position, you're looking for a, a franchise guy for the future. I feel like Detroit would be a great place for him. I feel like, New York has point guards there that are really good. I feel like New York would be a great place for him if they wanted to, like, move things around. Just, like, where he's going to have to go out there. He's a showman. Like, at the end of the day, all those things you named, like, he's he has the flair with passes. He can handle the ball really well. He takes big shots. He's not afraid of the moment. Now, will he make all those shots all the time? No. He no. takes them. He has the <laughs> – I kind of feel like his – uh. His basketball IQ is great when it comes to schemes, but then he has this confidence that just 
I feel like it over it overpowers his ass basketball IQ, and he takes it, like it, his shot shots. selection is is yeah. like me yeah. in men's league. It's like a, we call it the we call it feels like leather. Does the ball feel like leather? All right, I'm gonna shoot it. <laughs> like he literally like just puts him up. But I will say that if you put him in a space in a space where you give him that opportunity to grow into what you want him to turn into. You put pieces around him that are going to run because he's going to be a guy that's going to push and transition. He's going to be a guy that's going to, he's going to use ball screen. So you need to find guys that are going to screen roll and spot up shooters around him. I feel like the play the playmaking ability is most definitely there and everything else will show up in time. That's why I said I feel like the, the pros outweigh the cons by so much more. Like he's – I feel like unless he just fizzles out because of stuff off the court – I can't. Which is possible. Which is, which possible. is possible. And that's a and it is a possibility. I just can't foresee him just not becoming a good player. Like even a solid basketball. Like I, he's a he's a player you would want on your team because of the things he can do on the floor. Like and if yep. you can and if you can reach the ceilings that you think he can reach, I mean you'd be stupid not to pick him. Yep. Definitely a yep, first. I agree. One. I would I would love to see him in Golden State. Just because, like the the culture that they have, like imagine him missing a defensive assignment and having to go answer to Draymond Green. Yeah, but that'll that'll wake you up real quick. That'll definitely wake him up. But do you not stunt his growth when he has to play? I feel like you could you could stunt his uh, his ceiling in a sense if you don't let him get yeah, that. You, not all people need to go to places and just true losing teams either because that doesn't do good for that doesn't do them well either. But I feel like you know. That cloud of Steph Curry over D'Angelo Russell probably didn't be wasn't as comfortable. Even with Steph being hurt, wasn't as comfortable or freeing as it could possibly be. Like you know, it's not D'Angelo Russell when he was with LA or D'Angelo Russell when he was in Brooklyn and there was no one in front of him. He's just out there doing his thing and th- making things happen. You don't get that same guy if Steph Curry's there in front of him. Because he yeah, doesn't the same minutes, he doesn't learn those same mistakes and rules that Steph Curry had to learn. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. That's definitely fair. The other one you mentioned was the Knicks, and I would love to see him with the Knicks if the Knicks were a functioning organization. Like, yeah, I, I'm a Knicks fan. I wish he could. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was That's more just, a wish for me than anything. <laughs> I just see that thing going going completely downhill. All right, so the other two guys, James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards. Where do you fall on them? Who do you like more? And and do you think either of them are I guess deserving of being number two pick. Amazing that these two guys are freshmen. They are extremely talented. James Wiseman it would be the one I would pick, though. I mean, uh, Edwards is a gifted scorer. Like just the fact that he can go to just do the things he's done at Georgia. I, can, I mean, average nineteen points a game, five boards. He's a big dude, six what, six five, two twenty five. Like he's not a little dude. He's like. I look at him like um, what's this? My guy's name from the Pacers, uh, Victor Oladipo. Oladipo, not yeah. as defensive, not as defensively aware. I feel like if he was a little bit more of like a defensive threat, he'd he'd be the number one pick in the draft. He's more mm-hmm. so offensive, and it in his defense, he doesn't really seem like he's as into. It. He's he's not like the worst defender on the planet or anything like that. It's just more or less. It, it looks like it's not his is not his priority more or less. Like he he doesn't care about it. If he he's got the physical <laughs> tools, if you put in the effort, like he should be a great. He defender, should be right? a great defender. 
And another thing, the three-point shooting. Like, he shoots him. <laughs> I think he shot, like, maybe high 29. 20. High 29%. Yeah, it was like, yeah, like, he shot. He, he gets to the basket a ton because he, he's very athletic. He's very strong. He can bully some guys. And he gets to the mid-range, which is always good because I feel like the mid-range is an awesome place for basketball players to be at. But uh, I feel mid-range like – Mid-range stays showing. That's what we're going to start oh, calling. Of course, of course. <laughs> Bring back the middies. I'm a big mid-range fan. But uh, I feel like if he would – which, which he can because he, once he gets drafted, I mean, they're going to be working on him getting shots up every day. He's going he's gonna to become a better shooter from three. And you'll see his game blossom. Like, I think he'll be a great, great, great pro in the future. But I had to take Wiseman. Even with the three games, I take Wiseman because he just does a lot, man. He can do a lot. And he's not what some people would say uh, painted or t- like like by the college game in a sense. Like he's not grown accustomed to it. He's not – you know how you, you would say a four-year guy, a three-year guy. They're like, oh, he's too old. He has too many bad habits that he would learn from college and so on and so forth. He didn't even get any of those habits. He played three games. He probably practiced for the rest of the year, and he's going to be there for the NBA teams to mold. So, seven foot one, crazy wingspan, can score the ball in and outside the post, shot blocker. He could obviously work on his defense a little bit more as well. Like, not just shot blocking, anybody can stand next to the basket and stand in front of the rim and block shots, I would say, the guys that are seven feet. Mm-hmm. But, like, being able to switch out. And guard a wing, maybe. Not point guards and stuff like that. But wings, in the climate of the NBA today, those are things he needs to work on. Consistency from from uh, three-point range, especially NBA three-point range, which is different. He's going to have those things to work on. I see a little Chris Bosh in his game. So hopefully he can uh, get to that point. Because if he gets to anywhere near a Chris Bosh type game, I mean, I feel like whoever drafted him won. So my thing with Wiseman is that if he kind of says, okay, I can be a great defender, I can be a great rebounder, I can be something between DeAndre Ayton and Miles Turner, then, like, he's got legitimate all-star upside, I think, just because, like, you can't teach physical tools. Like, that seven one, seven six wingspan, runs the floor, athletic, can move his feet a little bit. Um, I'm just a little bit worried about him thinking that he is – going to be like Giannis. Like the, the one knock on him throughout his career was like he kept trying to show off how good he is on the perimeter. Well, what he should be is a guy that that bullies people in the paint, lob catcher, rim runner, um, vertical spacers, all those things, uh, rim protector <clears throat> that can step out. And when you for, when he forces you to play someone big against him, then all of a sudden he's taking like the bigger, slower guys off the dribble as opposed to being someone that plays on the perimeter primarily does that make sense so to me it's like a it's like a mindset thing with him and Anthony Edwards like I I love him I think the question you got to ask is was the bad shot selection because Georgia was really bad and they just needed him to get out there and get 25 up a game to have a chance to win was the defense just a result of like not being interested you know we saw Ben Simmons was abysmal defensively at LSU and he was on an all defensive team this year right so it's Does he when he gets to the NBA? Will he start trying defensively? You know, will he be a little bit more selective with his shots when he gets to the league and, and realize that he can get to the rim and dunk on literally anybody in the NBA? So um, I, I have I have questions about both of them just in terms of the way that they approach the game. 
Um, and that's like a little bit of a concern to me. Like when you got the physical tools, but I'm like, yeah, but is he going to play the right way? Like blah, 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 whatever. Like that's just, I think that's why you see people saying like, they're not, it's, it's not a typical top three picks. If that but, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And to your point, I feel like both Wiseman and Edwards, when they get drafted, they're going to teams that have been there and they've mm-hmm. had great players before. And Maybe, like, to your point as, as well, he, Wiseman shot, shoots the ball as far as jump shots. He shoots a ton of jump shots, and he plays to the perimeter a little bit more than he should. Um, but I'm sure teams won't, when he gets to the NBA, they'll have times where he can do that, and then they'll definitely have set times where he, he'll be doing other things. It's a little bit yeah. different. I feel like when you're part of the number, the number one recruiting class and you're the best player in the class and people are depending on you to just – go out there and figure it out within the system. He's going to just go out there and play his game and just play. Obviously that he's going to have opportunities to play his game in the NBA, but he's going to, he's in a, he's the new guy in this scenario now. Like, it's not like he was, he was the man at his team and he, he played three games. He was just the man of the team. He, three games, man. And the best part is like two of them, we're basically against guys that had like players like me on the roster where it's like, yeah, we can't even, ev- he's going up against a six foot five center. How am I going to evaluate that? And then the like one real game he played, he got in foul trouble. He played, he played three minutes in the first half. So we got like one half of real not, basketball like, that he played. Geez, I mean, it's I granted to what you're saying. I get it, but it's not easy uh, scoring 28 in 20 minutes. Oh, I know. Like, when you see him go up <laughs> against these guys, like, like everybody, there's a reason why he could get 20. I ain't getting 28 against South I was going to say, think about State. this, though. Those same teams <laughs> that we, I was just laughing with you about, the same teams, like, they have an entire schedule, and I'm, I don't want to go on a limb and say I'm sure not many people are just dropping 28 in 20 minutes on them. Like, the talent, the talent he has is very immense. He's, he has all the tools like we just discussed. I feel like when he gets to the NBA and he real and he's the new guy in the NBA on a team with vets, some young guys, so on and so forth, in a league full of talented individuals, you can't just, you know, settle for jump shots all the time. And those coaches will let you know because their jobs are on the line. It's a little it's a it's a different it's a different environment. So yeah. they'll let them know and they'll get things going. I feel like him and Edwards. I feel like Edwards' shot selection, like you said could easily have been because Georgia wasn't as good. And maybe the defensive thing could not be, like, his lack of interest. Maybe it was like he was just taking plays off because he realized he had to be on the court for a long (laughs) time and get these buckets so they can stay in games. So we don't – obviously, like you said, we don't know the ins and outs of all these situations. But what I do know is when they get to the NBA, (laughs) like – We'll find out soon enough. Exactly. The show's on. And you'll see what they'll do as the year goes on. All right, so we got some quick hitters before we get out of here. Uh, we're going to go through players that we love from outside the top three, uh, players that we think are going too high in this draft, and second-round sleepers that we think have a chance to end up really sticking and, and being, uh, being something good in the NBA. So I'll let you start. Pick, give me one player outside the top three that you, that you love that you think has a chance to be the best player in this draft. Can you give me two? <laughs> okay, I'll give you two. You got two. Killian Hayes. Okay. Isaac Okoro. I'm excited to see him play mainly because I feel like he fits uh, a lot of teams, a lot of defensive teams, like scenarios. I feel like Okoro is the, obviously a great defender, 
three point shot it was a little iffy, man. I'm not. Um, but I feel like once again, shooting is never a big thing when you're drafting because they're going to fix your shot anyway. You're going to get tons and tons and tons of reps up anyway. No class. He's a worker too. Like the thing about Okoro is he's going to get in the gym. He's a worker bee, man. He's going to go in there. He's going to put the work in and put the effort in. The, the the tools as far as like on the other side of the court with defense, you have nothing to worry about. It's just building his offensive arsenal. And depending on what team he goes to, it may not have to be that big a deal. Like I think of him like a, like a, in a sense is obviously is a big jump, but because Kawhi was a better shooter, I feel like a little bit better shooter than he is. But if you put him on a team like a Spurs team, if they're still running under, you know, pop system in a sense with uh, Tim Duncan being the coach, the the wings didn't really have to do much too much creating. I mean, everybody spaces. There's lots of uh, back cuts. There's lots of just spacing and catching and shooting, depending on who's the playmaker, um, and ball screens and so on and so forth. So he he could possibly be on a team like that where he'll showcase his defense right next to two other two other great defending guards uh, with White and. Um, the point guard who's on their team was really good, but uh, I can't think of his name right now. And uh, he'll fit in with that backcourt pretty well because they're great defenders as well. So I feel like he's like a work in progress offensively, but the upside of what you get, because you know he's going to bring defense is amazing. Yeah. And you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Kawhi. I just – when I see Isaac Okora play, I see Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is another one, yeah. yeah. It's like you know what you're going to get defensively. Mm-hmm. If you even get him to half – of what how he his defensive production is, you gotta win. And and obviously with Jimmy, like Jimmy hit it out, he hit it out the park, bro. He hit the, he hit the ball at the park. He shows up, effort, just a, a a grinder. And long story short, it showed he like he, his offensive game caught up. And once the offensive game caught up and the confidence went with it, it was a done deal. And you kind of hope that happens with uh, Isaac. And Killian is just an offensive weapon. Like, I feel like he, I watched him play for, he played for my old team that I played for uh, in Germany and own. And I got a chance to watch like six or seven games of his. And he's not shy. He's not afraid. He's a young guy. And in, like, you usually see that a ton of, when you see young guys step around older individuals, especially these younger guys from, from the foreign countries that you see some timid play. Sometimes you see them play timid or defer None of it. He was leading the team. Like, he was the guy that they looked to to score at the end of the shot clock. He was the guy who, the year before, he played in France. I think he averaged, like, seven points, like, three assists. And then the, this year, the next year in Germany, my man goes, he's averaging, like, 16 and, and seven assists. Like, he's usually, like, they had him playing off ball. He was playing on the ball at home, finding people. He's a great playmaker. Little dominant left hand. He doesn't really just, like going right as much. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> exactly. Like I, that was the to me one of the biggest knocks was that he does not. I hadn't seen him use his right hand on finishing or anything of that nature. He doesn't seem comfortable, but he's like a wizard with doing everything with his left hand. Loves the mid range. Can catch and shoot. Play off the ball a little bit. Great with the ball in his hand. Play off the ball screens. Reads well. I, I think he's going to be interesting to see depending on where he goes as well. So, Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that got put in ball screens on like every other possession that Ulm ran. Yeah. So they, he's used to carrying that level of, of, of offense um, already. And he was 18 years old doing it in, in the German Bundesliga. And like, look, I, I know that no one really talks about the Bundesliga, but if you look at the guys that are playing over there right now, like it's good. 
is really, really good. Um, my, my thing with him, it's, it's the right hand. It's, it's, does the, does the shooting come around? Cause the, what you didn't mention is that like, he's got all the step backs. He's got all the in and outs. Like he Every can create the space. The issue is like, is, is the shooting going to come along with it? So um, yeah, there's, there is one, there is one clip that I did find where Peyton Siva who played at Louisville was like the defensive player of the year in the ACC when he was there, you hit him with a between a leg and like sent him, sent Siva flying. And Peyton Siva yes. is a great professional basketball player. You don't see him in the NBA. But he's a great professional basketball player. He, he won a national title at Louisville, yes, right? At Louisville. Top twenty-five recruit, McDonald's All-American, All-American at the college level. Like hung around the NBA for a little while. If he was taller than five foot nine, he'd probably still be in the NBA right now. Like a great basketball player. And Killian Hayes, eighteen years old, dropped him. Bad. So, so my two guys um, are Onyeko Okongwu from, from okay. USC. I just. I think that he's got the total package when it comes to what you look for defensively. You know, he's, yeah. he's 6'9", 245. He's got the wingspan. He averaged like 16, 9, and three blocks. He can move his feet. He can do like anything that you want a modern five to be able to do, he can do. And I actually, I actually want to pick your brain on this a little bit. The, the thing, so I, when I watch him play, I see shades of what Bam Adebayo is for Miami. And I know that's, that's putting a lot on him because I, I think Bam is one of the top – 12 to 15 players in the league right now. Okay. Like I, I have a great deal of respect for him. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting a heavy, uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on, on, on Yeko. Yeah. The difference is Bam like can handle the ball a little bit and can play the point. Like he, he averaged 16, 11, five assists, a block and a steal in since 1976 in the last 44 years, since they've kept track of blocks as a stat that's happened 11 times that someone went for 16, 10, five assists, a block, and a steal. So, like, he had a legitimately historic season for Miami this year. I'm not con- – like, we, we haven't seen Anyeka be the ball handler, but no. we have seen him, like, make the quick reads, right? So, he'll get the ball in the post. He'll read where the double's coming from, catch it, get rid of it, right? My, my, my thing is, if you can – if he can read the defense, react quickly, and make the right pass in those situations – then he'll be able to do that same thing in like short rolls or be able to do those same things in like all of the, all the situations like the four on threes where Draymond Green is so effective yeah. or Bam is so effective. Like if Onyeka is able to process the defense, then all you got to do is teach him how to process a different part of it. Like if he can handle the, the passing and reading the defense, he could do it in a different part of the game. So I, I'm, I'm taking it like it's, you're taking a risk on it, but I'm betting on it because it makes it right. Does that make sense that he should be able to yeah, do no, that? Definitely. I understand. I'm, I'm, I, excuse me. I understand what you're saying. Just hopefully he can apply it in those different senses. Mm-hmm. It's uh, him being able to do that out of a double team in the post, as opposed to moving. It could be different from him, but at the same time, he's in the great, the, one of the greatest places in the world to learn. So yep. like, he gets drafted and the team is expecting him to do these things, which I mean, Obviously, you can see like he can do them. It's just in a different a different scenario. He should be fine. I mean, I I like everything I saw as far as watching him play. But no one watched him. He played at USC. Like how many how many USC games did you watch? I, I, I watched. I watched. I watched, uh, I watched him. Uh, excuse me. I watched his uh, his U, his UC uh, USC uh, which calls online. I watched like the, two games. Yeah. Like the guy is an athletic monster. Yes. very 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 elite athlete i wonder how the rest of his offense will 
turn around. Like, like the thing is with his offense, I saw like he has like I want to say like what twenty four double figure. Like he scored double figures like mm-hmm. twenty four times during the year. Um, it just I think he had like what eleven double doubles. I yeah, just productive, productive, like very productive. I just wonder if it could translate over because I felt like most of those those points were like he was he had he was you know going to the basket tower and, and they're not going to just let him he weighs mm. 245 pounds like that's like how much some of the the, the small forwards weigh so <laughs> I wonder like if they'll he's going to get bigger he's going to get stronger over time and he'll adapt to the game I just wonder if he'll be able to have that same or to impose that same will in the pros like I just I know defensively he's there He's going yeah. to be when everybody else is the same size as you. It's a little bit different. Um, the other guy that I had on my list was Kyra Lewis. I just he, he's I don't know if you know this about him, Deshaun. He he enrolled in college when he was seventeen. Like he he went when he was supposed to be a senior in high school, and now he's a sophomore in college, and he averaged like eighteen five four boards, shooting thirty six percent from three. I just with his speed, his ability to read ball screens. The way that he can shoot off the catch, like I think you can play him on the ball, you can play him off the ball. He's six foot three. I just don't understand like why people have him going mid to late second round or mid to late first round. To me, he's a top ten pick, and I just when you could do all of the things that he could do, play on the ball, play in transition, make threes, defend. Like I just, to me, it just is a no brainer that you you take him, especially when you consider the fact that he's a sophomore, but he's like younger than a lot of these one and done freshmen. I mean, once again. I'm more of a player. I'm a pro- I'm a person that likes to watch the players, and if I feel like the players really got, I'm, I have a very hard time looking at depending on certain people looking at upside over what I see in front of me. And like for you, you bring him up, and then I sit there and think of like, uh, uh, what is it? I see guys that can play, like he can play, and then yeah. they're just not in the conversation, and it sucks because you know they're just super talented, like and it's. You, you can see the work they put in from beginning to end. And obviously, two different ends of the spectrums. One's, uh, same, the other one's a younger guy, and the other one's an older. But still, like, if you could play, you could play. So just passing the eye test like that, I'm surprised that he, like you said, he isn't as high as he should be. So, so well, well now we'll, we can roll through these quickly. But the guy that I think is going too high is uh, Cole Anthony. I just – I think that he needs to have the ball in his hands – to be able to, to play at the NBA. And I just don't think that he's good enough to play the kind of like volume shooter lead guard role that he played in college and high school to do it at the NBA level. To me, he's like a off the bench guy that can come in and get you like 10 or 15 points here or there. Like if you ask him to play a role similar to what Lou Williams was for a lot of his career, like I think that he can be effective, but I just, I don't see the upside as much. You think he could be like a Lou Williams though? Yeah, I mean, just asking him to play that role, I don't think he'll be as good as the Williams, but ask him to kind of, like, play the six-man uh, like, uh, microwave off the bench. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Clarkson, like a Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. That's a, that's a better comparison than uh, than, yeah. than, uh, than Lemon Pepper Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I had to say one guy, R.J. Hampton. R.J., yeah. Yeah, like – I actually love R.J. Hampton. I loved R.J. Hampton, excuse me. I really feel like before the season started, I was like praying that he went to college because I felt like he was one of the players that would have benefited more for, in college than in the pro game because I didn't really see 
anything that he did that was wow. Like I couldn't really like mm-hmm. figure out one thing, like whether it be shooting, ball handling, uh, passing, defense. Like there was no one elite thing that I can think that he did that stood out in his game. He works hard. I I have people that work with him. Like I know people that work with him very well. Like he's a hard worker. He's in the gym. I think if he gets picked up by an NBA team, like he could be he could he's gonna be a work in progress. And I could see him over time being a great pro. But where they, I saw they were having him like in the teens, like high teens, I was just like I haven't even seen him like when I watched him play this past year, I just still I couldn't see what they were thinking when he went pro because <laughs> I felt like yeah. he would have benefited so much more in college. It would have showed, yeah. it would have, he would have had time for his game to grow because he's a great, he's a good athlete. Oh yeah. He's a really good athlete. Freak, freak, like, yeah. freak athlete. If they can, I'm sure the NBA can, if he's willing to work as hard as they, like they say he works, I'm sure shooting and the ball handling and everything will come in due time. I just felt like he would have been able to showcase his talent a little bit more work on his game a little bit more and his confidence would have grew way more in college than they did this past year. He had a ton, a ton of ups and downs. Yep. The, the one thing with him is like if the shooting comes around and he's been working with, with Mike Miller yeah. um, to try to try to get better. So, I mean, if you're going to work with someone to, to learn how to shoot, might as well be Mike Miller. But yeah. if you're, if you're drafting him like in the, but it's like 10, 11, 12 range and you're just betting on the fact that that shooting is going to come around and, there's a lot of guys in this draft where you got to bet on that shooting coming around. So yeah. um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think that he's more of like a, a back end of the lottery type player, but, um, but I, I get some of the hype. All right. Second round sleepers and we'll get out of here. Give me how many you got. I got one, two, three, four, five written down. I got one. Well, who I'm, is it? CJ Ellaby. <laughs> Watch this thing. You dig it into the archives there. That's your guy? I'm a big CJ LB fan. Big. My guy can read. He's just great at reading defense one-on-one. So yeah. if you're going to have a guy someday in the NBA, if he gets to the NBA, I pray he does. You're going to have a guy play one-on-one sooner or later at the end of the shot clock. He's not like this blinding, fast guy. He's not slow by any means as well. He's very quick. And he does a great job of showing his great jump shot, showing his fake, seeing what you're going to do, and reading from then on and then making the decision, which usually turns out a bucket. I got to love C.J. Ellaby's game, bro. He's like – he was uh, – I caught – I remember uh, when I was overseas, I caught uh, a uh, a video of him just working out. And I was sitting I was like, Yo, who's this kid? Because I actually like his game. Like, he, I like the way he, like, uh, just flows while he plays, like, while he's working out. He seems like he has, like, a – it's like a naturalness to him. He's not like going too fast, too slow, anything like he's going at his pace and it's like effective. And I went, I went and looked into his games and was watching some of his games and I immediately became a big fan, man. The guy can just flat out play ball. He's a big And it's got great hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually yep. why I stopped. I was like, who's this dude with all this damn hair? And I ended up watching the workout. I was like, oh, this kid can freaking play. Like he's pretty good. Like so. Yeah, I would say CJ would be six foot friggin' five. Like he's only two. He's got that light. He's light. He's a little light. He's a little light. But he's got like that size where he can kind of play on the wing and be switchable and do all those yeah. things in NBA. Team. No, you, I, I, I hear you. I'm like, I like it. Do you remember uh, who got drafted? Uh, is it Childress? Childress? 
Josh, Josh Childress. Yeah. That vibe. Like, Slim, guy could put a two and a three. Huge hair. Oh, huge hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the uh, vibe I got from him. Tell me All about right, so, three guys. So I, I, so I, got, I got five. I'm just going to oh, roll through real quick. This. So I, uh, Trey Jones from Duke. Okay. I just – I think he's such a smart player, so good defensively, and I'm buying the jump shot coming around. If you're going to tell me I can get a point guard that will like understand like his backup point guard role, is going to guard the hell out of you, and will make an open shot, like I think that that's great value for the second round. Um, I think that he'll probably go late first round. Who do you Sam, think? Could use him? Who do you think could use him? I I just think he's one of those guys that could fit in like any NBA organization. He's going to be a good locker room guy. He's going to go out there and he's going to guard. He's not going to complain about minutes. He's not going to complain about shots. He understands what it's like to play with stars because, one, he grew up playing with his brother and Gary Trent at Apple Valley, and, two, he was at Duke with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Like, you can't get bigger stars than what he's, he's playing with. So. Exactly. So he's, I just think that he gets it. Um, the other guy I love, Sam Merrill, Utah State. I just – I think he might be the best shooter in the draft. He's six foot five. He can catch and shoot. He's got some shit to him. Like he can play off the bounce. He can. Uh, he, he hit so many big shots at like different points in, in games during this past season. I just best shooter in the draft. The only problem, he's twenty four years old. I was going to say, yeah, he, he's basically on social security at this point. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a risk. But so is uh, <laughs> what's my guy? My guy from the Bahamas. Yeah, he was too. <laughs> Buddy Hield, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Buddy. fine. I mean, he, he adjusted pretty well. So, yeah. so I, I like Sam Merrill. Um, I love Malachi Flynn at San okay. Diego State. He's just like yeah. a like I get heavy Fred VanVleet vibes from him because he competes. Um, they like he'll really guard you. He knows how to like kind of. He's not a, that athletic, but he can like get into your body when you're dribbling and kind of That's guide you without hands. Yeah, yeah and he, like he. Yeah. Understands pick and rolls like it's very much an old man's game. Um, speaking of old men, Xavier Tillman. I uh, just like when it comes to what you want out of like a, a modern NBA five in terms of what he could do defensively, switching, uh, playing the four and five, um, the short roll passing ability that he has, rebounding, the the character, the the IQ. Um, I don't know if you know this about him. He is twenty one years old. He's already married with two kids. He had his second kid in February of this past season. Now, I have no idea how you could be a college student, how you could be playing in the Big Ten and have two kids. That just sounds like the uh, – he, he never slept. He never slept. He never slept. I don't so, like, he's, oh, He has ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, the maturity is there. I just I, – I think that he's going to be one of these guys that plays, like, a decade in the NBA. Maybe you never, like, really hear about him being a star – but just on a team somewhere helping them win. Um, and the last guy from uh, from the Big 12, Desmond Bain at, uh, at TCU. Six six, really, really, really shoots it. Will guard. Uh, he can he can rebound the ball. Like he's he averaged like four assists. I don't think people realize how good of a passer he is. The only problem, how about this, Dejan? He's six six. He's got a six foot four wingspan. It's it's negative. He's got a 6'4 wingspan, he's 6'6. Six, six. He's got the T Rex arms. And 2K, that just means that you can get the shot up quicker. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so he'll be all right. If he there you go. Hey, he'll be all right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen, if you're still here, it means you enjoyed the podcast. So give us five stars. Say something nice in the comments. Tell Deshaun that he did a good job on this podcast. He needs, you know, he needs that ego boost a little bit. We got to give him some confidence here. 
right? Oh. So uh, we will be back again next week, probably talking more basketball. I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of like that we're turning this into the, the ball only uh, podcast on the, uh, the field of 68 media network. You look at all the other ones, they got interviews and bringing other people in. Like we talk ball here. Yeah, they need help. Stories, we Everybody talk needs ball. help. Everybody yeah. needs help. We're good. <laughs> the talk ball <laughs> podcast. I think that's what the big thing should be. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I'll catch up with you next week. All righty, bro. Yeah.